welcome into the Rock Pod presented by the Royal Oak Michigan Chamber of Commerce. I'm Andrea Arndt, an attorney at Dickinson Wright. I'm Lisa Bibby, your local neighborhood realtor with Keller Williams Advantage. And I'm Trish Carruth, third generation jeweler and owner of Your Personal Jeweler. So throughout the year, we are featuring each of our co-hosts in an episode. And today we are featuring our co-host, John Gay of Jake and Detroit Podcasts. Welcome, John. Thanks for having me. Of course. We're excited to learn all about your business and give our audience a little more insight on you. It's so much easier for me to be the host. As the guest, I'm like nervous. This is, uh, (laughs) you guys have got me on the hot seat. We love seeing those (laughs) nerves come out, John, because you're such an amazing host. Thank you. So, John, you left radio in 2017 and started your podcasting company in 2018. Why did you do that? Andrea, I was really passionate about radio. I have a broadcast journalism degree from Syracuse. I was working in radio full-time for about 15 years. And unfortunately, in 2017, it was not the industry that I got into in 2004. And I could talk to you for hours about why that is. But the uh, Reader's Digest version is that a lot of corporate consolidation happened and there were fewer jobs and the personality was really taken out of music radio where I was. So if you think about radio now, outside of what's known as spoken word radio, meaning news, talk, sports, and morning shows on music stations, the DJs don't really have a lot of free reign to have a lot of personality and connect with their listeners and their communities anymore. So after being worried about corporate pink slips from various companies I worked for, I started to find out about podcasting. And so while radio was declining, podcasting was really starting to blow up uh, the end of last decade, 2017, 2018, and especially since the pandemic. So after trying to figure out what my next move was going to be, what my next career was going to be, it seemed to be kind of a natural transition of my skill set from working in audio and radio to starting podcasts. Very cool. So, John, for our listeners, can you explain what a podcast is? Because I'm sure certain people are listening and don't even realize that this is a podcast or know (laughs) that it's a podcast, but don't know what qualifies it for being a podcast. Well, easiest way to explain it, Trish, is that a podcast is a portable piece of audio that you can listen to on demand, whether that's on your computer, your phone, your tablet, whatever it is. It goes with you. I like to say that podcasting kind of did for audio what the DVR did for TV. I mean, we don't watch a lot of live TV anymore. We have our content, it's stored, and we access it when we want, when it's convenient for us. So that's what a podcast is. It's a piece of portable audio. Podcast geeks will get into the technical backside of what is or is not technically a podcast, but I think that's really expanding and the tent is growing so that folks really, any on-demand audio is now a podcast. Even if you're watching it on YouTube, it might not technically be audio, but folks will consider that a podcast too. And from what I do in my business, it's really a great branding tool for businesses and nonprofits. So, John, you talk about podcasting as expanding. Can you give us a little bit of history and talk to us about how big podcasts have become? Yeah, I've actually got a few stats here, Lisa. And as of 2022, this is from a study called The Infinite Dial. It's put out by Edison Research. It's kind of the Bible of podcast research that I look forward to every year. And this year's came out about a month ago. 79% of U.S. adults age 12 and up, so four out of every five, are at least familiar with podcasting. 109 million Americans listened to a podcast in the last month. Among heavy podcast users, they consume eight podcast episodes every single week. So as you're trying to get into somebody's rotation, I'm going to go full circle with social media here and go back to MySpace. You want to try to get into somebody's top eight, if you remember MySpace, uh, if you want to get into their top eight episodes. 
Um, and what's really cool is that it's becoming a much more diverse space. Much like radio used to be in the infancy of podcasting, it was dominated by white males. And we are now getting so many more viewpoints of folks. Podcast listeners are now 47% female, so almost 50-50. 1% list themselves as non-binary. Uh, and 53% of podcast listeners are age 35 and up. I think there's a misperception that only young people listen to podcasts. Not necessarily true. 47% are 34 and under, but 53% are 35 and over. So it really is growing across all age groups. And uh, in terms of uh, diversity, 59% of podcast listeners in America are white, which actually matches the demographics of America. 59% of American adults are white. 59% of podcast listeners are white. So now we're getting uh, much more closely matching our population reflected in podcasting, which I think is great. And then also in 2022, podcasting is expected to be a $1 billion industry in terms of advertising. So on that note, John, what you're saying is if you don't have a podcast, you need to have one. And who is the perfect host? None other than our own John Gay. <laughs> well, thank you for the plug, Lisa. I appreciate it. You've said it better than I could. If you don't have one, you need one. Yeah. And I can't tell you the number of people who have had such a good experience on our show because John is such a good leader. He explains things well and he does incredible editing. So I think we probably have plenty of ums and ahs and everything in it, but you don't know that. <laughs> I'll save the blooper reel as a Christmas present for all of you. Yeah, we totally oh, need a goodness. blooper reel. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, John, so now you, you've talked a little bit about how much the podcasts have expanded in that market, but typically it's because there's money there. So how can people make money with podcasting? That is really one of the things that people ask when they get into podcasting early, Andrea. And my answer might surprise you here and that you really shouldn't expect to make money out of the gate. You really are going to have to be at it for anywhere from really one to three years before you can mass market it. Because in order to sell advertising to a national advertiser or somebody who's going to buy off of the amount of downloads you have per show, you've really got to spend time cultivating your show, building your audience, and having that audience uh, be dedicated listeners of your show so you have something to sell to advertisers. When I sell or when I work with a podcasting client, my angle is it's not so much a revenue generator as it is a lead generation tool and a branding tool. Like, for example, this podcast that we do for the Royal Oak Chamber, we're not selling advertising on it. We've been doing this, the four of us, a little over a year now, but we're using it as a branding tool and a resource for the chamber, for the chamber members that we've had on as guests. Now, if you are a big celebrity and you've got a giant social media following, if you are, uh, you know, Harry and Meghan or uh, William and Kate getting a podcast, then yeah, maybe you've got a built-in following out of the gate. However, on the other side of it, if you've got a real niche podcast, if you've got a real specialty podcast, and the example I always use is we've joked about basket weaving 101 in college. If you had a podcast about basket weaving, and <laughs> now follow me here, Andrea. It's a real thing. <laughs> If it's underwater. <laughs> exactly. If you had a podcast about basket weaving, you may have at best, I don't know, 50 or 100 people listening to it. However, I make you a bet that there's a basket maker that would love to get in front of the 50 people that are passionate enough about basket weaving to want to listen to a podcast about it. So you can monetize it if you have a sponsor that really matches you in a real uh, narrowed down niche of it. 
But for the most part, it's going to be used as a branding tool. It's going to be used in your sales funnel, the mark, dreaded sales marketing funnel we've all seen uh, lately. But it's not going to be a moneymaker out of the gate. And I want to temper expectations. In most cases, you're not going to make money on it out of the gate. So, John, can you expand a little bit about that? Like if, say, I was to come to you and do my own personal podcast, do you help guide your clients through starting and keeping uh, affiliated marketing Lisa, you're so good at social. I'm surprised you haven't asked me to do this for you yet. Uh, <laughs> no, in all seriousness, though, yes, I kind of have a soup to nuts A to Z approach with my podcast clients. Um, I'll use my background as a radio DJ and also a program director running radio stations to help you conceptualize your show. What's the show going to be about? How is it going to be laid out? Kind of the who, what, when, where, why, how. One of my uh, early mentors in radio told me that doing a radio show, or in this case, a podcast, it's kind of like driving a NASCAR. You do all your work in the pit, so when the race starts, all you've got to do is drive the car. That's kind of the analogy that really stuck with me. So we want to plan out the show. Who are we going to have for guests? How long are we going to be? Maybe what are our topics going to be for X number of shows that we're going to start with? Typically, I sign clients up for one season. We decide that's three episodes, five, ten, whatever they want to do. It's a limited commitment, so it doesn't become a burden. And we say, okay, this is how many episodes we want to do. This is what we're going to cover in these episodes. Once we get done producing all these episodes and publishing them, we can reevaluate and say, hey, this is great, John. I want to do more. Or, hey, this was fun, but I, th I think I want to focus my attention elsewhere. And that's fine. So conceptualizing the show. And then I have various plans that I work on clients with. I have some clients that record their own podcasts. They uh, Dropbox it to me, the audio. I go through it. I clean up the ums and uhs and likes and you knows. And I put the music in and I even out the levels and I make sure everything sounds broadcast quality. And I just Dropbox it back to them. I have some clients that have me record the show and sit in a session like we're, four of us are in right now, and I'm sort of the silent producer, and I'll kind of coach them through, hey, you know what, you said that a little funny, I think that word came out wrong, let's go back and say that again, or hey, we're getting a little far afield here on a tangent, let's bring it back here, and then I'll pursue the same production afterwards. And then I have some that um, may not necessarily have the gift of gab right away, or that might want a little bit of help being brought out, but they want to do a podcast. I have some that. I'm the co-host and I interview them. I have a lot of financial advisors, for example, that I work with where, okay, what do you want to talk about this month? Okay, we want to talk about whatever legislation is happening in DC. Okay, send me five or six bullet points you want to cover and I'll ask you about it, but I'll keep the conversation flowing. Do you have a couple of cost examples of what it would be to do a podcast? Yes, so, and everybody is different. Um, on the low end of things, the editing of the podcast, if you send me up to 30 minutes of audio, I can clean it up for you for $99. If you send me between 30 and 60 minutes of audio, it's $199. And then I have various podcast packages that go from $250 up to about $595 an episode, depending on whether or not you want the full boat service. So speaking in terms of time, what would you say is the sweet spot for a podcast? How long should they be? Trish, I'm so glad you asked that question because that is the number one question that I get from clients and prospective clients. And the answer you're going to call me out on copping out here, but it depends. It really depends. Now you sound like a lawyer. <laughs> Says the attorney. I love it. <laughs> or a realtor. So, <laughs> you know, what am I going to pay on my mortgage, Lisa? Well, it depends, right? What's your DTI? <laughs> 
Exactly, exactly. So on one hand, some of the top podcasts out there, I'll use Joe Rogan as an example, and I'm not going to get into politics here, but he numbers wise has the biggest podcast in the world. Uh, Joe Rogan's podcast can be two, three hours long and people will listen to it. There are other podcasts that are that long that people will listen to. There are microcasts that are five minutes or under. My answer is as long as it's good. And the favorite example I give to clients when they ask this question is one of my early clients that I've been working with for several years now is the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link in Commerce. And they deal with um, people who have had cancer and a bone marrow transplant and the complications that come from that. And one of our early episodes, she interviewed a doctor down at Carmenas Cancer Center downtown. And this doctor was great, well-spoken, answered everything brilliantly in a way that we could all understand. She had her list of questions. She asked them. He answered them. We were planning on 30 minutes. And so she, he got through all the questions. She said, looked at me, said, how long was that? I said, oh, it was 15 minutes. And she said, okay, what do we do for the next 15 minutes? I said, nothing. We're done. Shorter is always better than longer. You don't want to stretch to hit an artificial number because you can always, also in editing, you can always cut as opposed to add stuff in. If I had to answer the question coming back to the original here, Trish, I would say under 30 minutes is good for most branded podcasts. Folks have a limited attention span, but you may have some where you've got a really good guess where they go longer. You know, look at our podcast. We shoot for about a half hour. We've had some that are closer to 20 minutes. We've had some that are closer to 40 minutes, just depending on how the conversation goes with that guest and if they give shorter answers or if we end up going on tangents or whatever that ends up being. Thanks so much for that, John. Now, I'm curious because there's a lot of videos on YouTube. Can you put your podcast on YouTube as well as should you have a video over top of that if you are posting it to sites such as YouTube? So that's a tricky question and something that's really changed in the past six months to a year in podcasting, Lisa. Yes, your podcast should be on YouTube, and that includes if you are not doing video. So our podcast, for example, we only record the audio. We don't record the video of the four of us and our guests typically. Remember, YouTube is owned by Google. So you want your podcast to show up in Google results, search engine optimization, SEO. So how many times have you Googled how to do something? Next thing you know, you're staring at five YouTube links in front of you because Google owns YouTube. So the top three uh, ways that people consume podcasts are through Apple Podcasts, through Spotify, and now through YouTube. So even if the podcast is only audio, it has to be on YouTube. Now, in terms of video, there are some people who are comfortable doing video. There are some people who would rather not do video. I know, Lisa, you do a great job with the video stuff that you do for your clients. I think... If you are comfortable doing video, absolutely put it on YouTube. And there are advantages to that. Also, bear in mind, and I'm sure Lisa's going to nod when I say this, video is a lot harder to edit than audio. In audio, as Andrea was alluding to earlier, I can snip all the ums and ahs out of our podcast. You can't really do that in a video without it having being all a bunch of jump cuts and look like a 16-year-old did it in their bedroom on YouTube. So audio is a lot more forgiving when it comes to the editing piece of it. If you're doing video, absolutely be on YouTube. You don't have to do video, but you definitely do need to be on YouTube. I hope that answers your question. Very informative. Uh, so do you actually upload everything for your clients then on, on whatever social media sites that they're interested in? Depending on the client, what package they're in and their level of comfort with the tech. Some folks are just, you know, again, I just dropped the box on the audio and they're comfortable writing and posting everything. Some folks say, hey, I, I don't have the bandwidth to do this in my day or I just I'm just not comfortable with this. Can you do it for me? and I'll tailor a solution for that individual client. Uh, what's great about podcasting, and I should probably back up a step here, Andrea, is 
there's two steps to the podcast. So your podcast has to have a host and physically live somewhere. Those are hosts like Simplecast, Libsyn, Buzzsprout, Blueberry. And that typically will cost you $15 a month for your audio to physically live somewhere. That's really the investment. And then once you have your podcast host, that then connects to Apple, Spotify, Google, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever podcast app you want to put your content. And it's free to be on all of those platforms. So once you are on the host, it then goes out to the apps. And the host will also provide you a Facebook share link, a Twitter share link, a LinkedIn share link, an embed code if you want to embed the audio player on your website. So the host will provide all those resources to you. I can help you, you know, I can facilitate that in terms of sharing it and providing you all the assets as a client, or you just can go into the Simplecast website and do it yourself. Okay, that's very interesting. I am learning quite a lot today. So can you give your recommendations of what kind of audio equipment that is recommended for doing a podcast? Absolutely. And I do have a page, a lengthy page of recommendations on jagindetroit.com. <clears throat> Cheap plug. But I will say that... Uh, <laughs> it's okay. The, you can do your plug later. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest thing that I recommend is having the right microphone. And there is a microphone out there. It's called the Blue Yeti, which is very popular. It's very well marketed. I run into a lot of clients say, I already bought my Blue Yeti. Please, if you are listening to this and you want to start a podcast, please, for the love of God, do not buy a Blue Yeti microphone. They are not good. The worst thing for a bad product is good marketing. They don't sound good on a podcast. Uh, they look cool. They look cool if you're doing a video to have this fancy looking microphone in front of you. Um, but, and I'll get a little bit technical here just for a second, so forgive me, but the Blue Yeti is what's known as a condenser microphone. And what that means is it brings in all the noise from the entire room. It's designed for a room that's well-treated and well-designed and well for a sound recording. So if you're in just your office and you're using a Blue Yeti, chances are if an 18-wheeler drives by, the mic's going to pick that up. If you're at home and the dog's barking in the next room where your kid is screaming, that's going to pick that up. And the Blue Yeti is marketed as this solution where you can plug it down in the middle of the table and everybody around it will get picked up. It sounds terrible. You'll hear echo in the room. You'll hear all the background noise. The microphone that I do recommend, and we'll put this in the show notes, I actually have an Amazon affiliate link. It's called the Samsung Q2U. The company is Samson, S-A-M-S-O-N, and the model is Q2U. It's actually about 60, 70 bucks on Amazon, depending on what Amazon's priced it at that day. It's a couple bucks cheaper than the Blue Yeti. And the Q2U is what's known as a dynamic microphone. And by that, it picks up more of your voice and less of the background. It's designed to be a vocal microphone to pick you up and less stuff in the background. So even if you're in your office or a room in your house, that's going to be a better design microphone for a podcast recording. And if you think we sound good, that's because John advised all of us to get these mics. And that's what we're currently recording on. And we give our guests there at the chamber office, too. So good point, Lisa. So the microphone is probably the most important and also making sure that you're in the right room in your house. Don't use a room with a lot of hard, flat, reflective surfaces like kitchens, bathrooms, things like that. A living room, a bedroom. I know some podcasters will use a walk-in closet. You want to have a lot of material that's not hard and flat for the sound waves to bounce off of. That'll cut down on your echo. But again, the microphone is the most important. And that microphone I recommended has a USB plug. You plug it right into your computer and you're good to go. Any recommendations on headsets? Um Honestly, the Samsung Q2U has a headphone jack in the bottom of it. 
that will work with uh, that skinny one-eighth inch jack that we all use to plug into our Walkmans and Discmans back in the day or <laughs> or the jack that Apple headphones had before Apple got um, annoying and created their own style jacks. But that, that real skinny universal headphone jack, you can pick up a pair at a dollar store and they'll plug right into that microphone and you can use it. I will say I highly recommend using headphones if you are recording a podcast with more than one person virtually as we're doing here because it'll cut down on any kind of echo coming out of your computer speaker if you're not using headphones. And also, if you're using one of these online recording platforms, we're using Riverside right now. I also recommend Squadcast, uh, Zencaster, and there are a couple others. You want to make sure you tap on your microphone. We did this before we started recording. You have your guests tap on their microphone like this to make sure that that right microphone is selected by the software. I actually was doing a webinar this morning, and before we started, the host said, "You, you sound like you're in a tin can. And I realized it was picking up the microphone in my webcam from across the room and not the professional microphone that I use. So always, always, always check your microphone. The audience may not know that we are actually doing this podcast in four different locations. We're doing it virtually. Can you explain to our audience a little more about virtual podcasting? Yeah. So I think 90% of my podcast clients, Andrea, I work with virtually. There are some that I have a mobile studio I can bring to their office and, and do in person, and some prefer it that way. But really, obviously, the remote recording took off just like everything else did during COVID. There are platforms out there. Uh, the one we use is called, as I mentioned, Riverside.fm. There's also Squadcast.fm and a couple others. I'm happy to talk to anybody offline about that. And what you said really hit the nail on the head, Andrea. I think a lot of our listeners might not realize we're not in the same room. And that's because the technology is that good that it can sound like we're all in the same place. You know, we're all kind of in our homes or our, our offices right now. And I will say using a platform, like I mentioned, designed for this is better than using something like Zoom or Teams or something like that. And what's really important about this is these platforms, again, sorry to be the technical, but these platforms record the audio locally on your own computer and then upload it. How many times have you been on a Zoom call where some, uh, it, 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 the syllables kind of drop and you lose a couple things here and there? And then sometimes you have that kind of hollow, tinny sound to people's voices. The reason for that is, and they've gotten better in the last few months, but Zoom actually pulls some of the frequencies out of the human voice. It's the parts that we don't need to hear to understand what somebody's saying and only leaves the parts that we need to understand the words. And that helps keep the bandwidth down as far as how much audio is being transferred and things like that because it's relying on the internet connection. These platforms actually record the full spectrum of somebody's voice. They record it locally and then uh, upload it to the cloud. And then I can have four or five different tracks from all each of us, put them all together. And if you know somebody talks over somebody, I can fix that. If somebody's phone dings while somebody else is talking, I just mute their track. It's actually a pretty uh, easy process. And then I can also, uh, you know, make up for any audio issues if somebody has some, some tricky audio on their part. Well, and I want to let the audience know this is better than just having a four-way or five-way telephone call because we actually have video. And so we can see how people are reacting. And even though we're not recording the video uh, and presenting that on social media, it's still nice to have that feel like you're with someone in a room. Right. Body language is so important. And short of being in person, you know, we, we can see each other's faces. We can kind of, one of us will hold the finger up if we want to jump in and ask a follow-up question to a guest. Well, which finger, John? <laughs> this is my index finger. <laughs> He's got the pointer. <laughs> yeah. 
as if to say one second. There we go. So, John, it's been really great to hear all about podcasting and how you can help everybody. But I'm curious, what are you doing with your life when you're not doing all these podcasts? (laughs) We want to get to know you. Uh, So my wife and I have our little house and our big dog, our 80-pound dog, Jules. As people who know me know, I grew up in Boston, and so I'm a Patriots fan. Our former dog that's no longer with us is Brady, and our new dog is Jules, named partly after Julian Edelman. Jules is a sweetheart. She's a 100% red bone coonhound, which we did not know when we adopted her. We just thought she was a mutt. We rescued her from a shelter. She's, I think she's eight or nine now, but we did a DNA test. And as Lizzo would say, she's 100% that dog. She's a little bit of a spaz, but we love her very much. And my wife and I love to travel. So uh, we actually just got back from a long weekend in Vegas. We were in Hawaii in December. This summer, we are planning on a week in Hilton Head and our big trip for the year, we're going to go to Iceland for a week. So if anybody has any recommendations. Oh my gosh, I love that. And did you know that the Vikings actually called it Iceland because they wanted to steer people clear of visiting it? Versus Greenland, they called it Greenland because they wanted to attract people there. And they're actually opposite when you go there. Iceland is beautiful and green and Greenland is quite icy. Yeah, further north. Yeah, I I have heard that, Lisa, but that is a really fun fact. Yeah. (laughs) And now it is time for our fishbowl question of the day, where we pull a totally random question for you. Lisa, can you pull our fishbowl question of the day? All right, John, you ready for this? I'm going to dig in and get you a really good one. (laughs) (laughs) But as ready as I'm going to be, now I'm nervous. (laughs) All right, here goes nothing. When you were a kid, did you ever wish your parents gave you a different name? That's a good one. Um, okay, so so uh, two parts to that. So my middle name is Alexander, and so that's how I got Jag. I was Jag when I was on the radio. That was my DJ name, and my company is Jag in Detroit. My full name is Jonathan Alexander Gay, and my mom would tell me that uh, she gave me the middle name Alexander because she thought I'd be destined for great things. She was a little off with that, but but we'll get to her. Um, I wish I had a different last name growing up because I uh, got made fun of a lot in middle school. And then even like frat boys looking at the student directory in college, and oh, is your name really John Gay? Oh, you know, in the late 90s. And so um, I did learn as the short, scrawny, balding Jewish kid with the funny last name that if you make the joke first, they laugh with you, not at you. But also we had a little of a bit of a dust up in high school when I ran for a class treasurer. Keep in mind, this is 1997, 1998. So, you know, uh, oh, gosh, 25 years ago. Um, I ran on the campaign slogan, get the issue straight, vote gay. And <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. And I had, a, uh, I had a, a vice principal that was a former MP in the Marines who was not amused. <laughs> so I ran out of the campaign, get the issue straight, vote gay. And, and there was a big dust above it. I ended up actually winning the election and become class treasurer. <laughs> Flash forward to four years ye- later, my younger brother, Scott, he ran under the slogan, it's okay to go gay. And he ran for class president. (laughs) And he actually did not win. Um, But I remember for his birthday one year, my mom and I framed the local newspaper articles that got written about it when he went to the newspaper and and, and complained about being discriminated against because of his last name. Because he's a gay. (laughs) Yeah. Not being able to use his his slogan. And so uh, Mm -hmm. and then, of course, you know, sibling rivalry being what it is. I said, hey, I would have gone to the paper, too, but I won. (laughs) Wow, that's fantastic. It looks like your mom was right in giving you the middle name Alexander. You have quite successful in everything that you're doing. Thank you so much. I appreciate that, Lisa. 
And maybe that is why you're such a good conversationalist, because you had to be. Yeah, that's probably fair. I was uh, I was a really shy, awkward kid growing up. And then a, a coworker of mine in radio, my friend Nick Craig, that used to work with me at Channel 955 10 years ago, said that the microphone is like Superman's cape. When I was working in radio, you put me in a nightclub by myself. I'm a wallflower. You put a microphone in my hand, I will talk. Hey, bachelorette party. Hey, come blah, 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 blah. You know, <laughs> night and day. Very cool. Well, I didn't even know that about you. So that was that was a great fishbowl question. Yeah, it always <laughs> seems that adversity ends up becoming our greatest strength. I like that. Yeah. John, it was so great to have you on our show today and learn more about podcasting. Can you let our listeners know how they can get a hold of you? Sure. Everything is Jag in Detroit. My website is Jag in Detroit, J-A-G-I-N-D-E-T-R-O-I-T.com. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all Jag in Detroit. Uh, and my email is Jag at Jag in Detroit.com. Happy to have a conversation with anybody listening just about podcasting in general or thoughts if they want to start or improve their existing show. And my name is Lisa Bibby. I'm a realtor with Keller Williams Advantage. I put the real back in realtor. Looking to buy or sell your home, purchase an investment property, or even start an Airbnb? You can find me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Sold by Lisa B. My name is Andrea Arndt. I am an intellectual property attorney at Dickinson Wright, and I help my clients protect their inventions and build their brands. You can find me on LinkedIn and on our firm's website, www.dickinsonwright.com. And I'm Trish Carruth, third generation jeweler and owner of Your Personal Jeweler. I specialize in creating custom engagement, wedding rings, and fine jewelry. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at The Personal Jeweler or on our website, www.thepersonaljeweler.com. We want to thank you for listening to this episode of The Rock Pod, presented by the Royal Oak Chamber of Commerce. If you're interested in being a guest on the pod, we are looking for guests for the second half of 2022. Just send an email to therockpod at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone.